Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Wednesday, December 21st, National Signing Day, and that is the topic for today's podcast. We're going to discuss a lot of the signees today who are coming to Blacksburg, some surprise additions that came today, including a couple of pickups from the transfer portal, and much more. All that and more coming up on episode 277 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, whether you are listening or watching on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're there. And also turn on the notification bell so you don't miss any future podcasts. want to let you know that this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference in your overall experience. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. And before we get into the podcast, I want to toss it over to Will, who is in the fourth chair because he has a note for an additional sponsorship. Uh, yes, ma'am. Appreciate it. We uh, signed an agreement with Triumph NIL. The days are running together. It may have been yesterday. I'm not <laughs> sure. So you'll see their branding on today's uh, podcast if you're watching on YouTube. And so that's exciting. That is going to lead to all sorts of cool developments for Tech Sideline and for Triumph and for Virginia Tech athletes, and I also want to take a quick second to thank the hard work of Giovanni Heater, who did all the graphics for our signing day stuff, and also Nick Brown, who did all the video production. They each put in about 15 hours in the span of, you know, about two days, and uh, appreciate your work coming in and doing the voiceovers. It just <laughs> turned out to be a really slick production. So uh, we have like one minute long videos, what we think about uh, of each of the 25 high school signees. If you go out to our YouTube channel, that's in a playlist there. You can watch them all at once. And I know everybody wants to talk about the recruits, so let's get down to it. Sure. Big podcast today with it being National Signing Day. Hokies signed 25 players out of high school and four players from the transfer portal. Before we get into it, I'll go ahead and introduce the crew for today. On set, we have David Cunningham, managing editor of Tech Sideline across the way. To my right, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. Will Stewart, founder and general manager for Tech Sideline, in the fourth chair. Carter Hill, producing behind the scenes, and I'm your host for today, Katie Adams. I was just going to comment on those the second year of the Twitter video installation, which, you, like you said, is now on YouTube. I know last year Malcolm compiled those all into one video. Can we expect the same for this year? Yes. Um so uh, we've actually already got the video ready. So I think probably okay. tomorrow morning I'll post that video. So uh, it, it's a playlist just, on YouTube. It's a playlist. So if you if you don't you know if you know how playlists work, go for it. But mm -hmm. we're also going to do it as a separate video because nice. we find that gets a lot of views over time. So Chris and David, I know both of you were at the signing day draft event this morning in the newly renovated players' lounge. How was that? The breakfast was excellent. <laughs> I thought it was good. Yeah, uh, it, I think it was exciting. Um, I know, like, oh, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, like, what, or a week or two ago, whenever um, the media advisory was sent out, like, hey, you're going to be invited to this thing, 
um, I kind of, I didn't roll my eyes, but I was kind of like, oh, like, what is this? This is very interesting. Um, and it was really cool for those of you who have no idea what it was. Um, essentially, in the Gigantic Players Lounge, they had the entire staff, people who work behind the scenes, you know, probably 40, 50, more than that people. I mean, a ton of people, administration, what Babcock was there, um, other higher ups, big donors were there. And essentially, um, especially once like 1030 hit, it was essentially every 10 minutes they had scheduled a, a new signee and they did like a draft, so to speak. Evan Hughes, former podcast host, um, was up at the podium and was kind of like the Roger Goodell and was basically like, all right, to, here to introduce. Except nobody booed him. He didn't get booed. <laughs> no, <laughs> so just, uh, yeah, well, I told him, I was like, I'm going to boo you, um, here, it, which is crazy because Evan, uh, Mate Evan turned around and drove down to High Point for women's basketball tonight. Uh, that's day. a completely different story. Um, but Evan kind of introduced the people who are going to announce the draftees. So, like, um, one of the ones I thought was really cool um, was they got Bud Foster to announce Braylon Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're going to do is they're going to compile all the videos and stuff. And so, but, you know, the person announces it and basically says – talks a little bit about the player and then you know it's kind of it's on zoom and it's the staff so pry sitting in the middle and then kind of the main people who recruited them that that specific player and they all have a chance to kind of talk and have a one-on-one conversation with the family um and they're on zoom on kind of on a big screen so it was really cool i think the longest one was braylon johnson they talked for like 15 20 minutes it was very emotional it was really cool though and um i don't know it's I mean, I've been, I'm very young, so I haven't been around many signing days. Not like, never been anything. Not like, like you will, but yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. I know Pry and Pry and James Franklin did sort of the same thing at Vanderbilt. It started at Vanderbilt. That's the first time I ever remember there being signing day televised signing day ceremonies. Yeah, because I think ESPN went and filmed theirs because it was brand new, and that was the day that they flipped Virginia Tech quarterback signing Lafonte Thoroughgood on signing day. Oh. And there was a big article like "Sign of the Apocalypse." Vanderbilt stills recruit from Virginia Tech. <laughs> you hate to see it. Yeah. What year was this? You like said twenty eleven, something yeah. like that. So, yeah, he so never the, played it down there. This was but. signing day twenty eleven, and Tech had just won the uh, ACC with Tyrod. <laughs> you know, like a month earlier. And what was Vanderbilt's status at this point? Oh, they were Vanderbilt. They were, they were Still Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, James Franklin won some games there, but he hadn't won games yet. Yeah. So, it, so it was funny. Andy Bitter tweeted the video out from way back then. And the part of the video that I heard David playing was flipping LaFonte Thurgood. Yeah. Now, LaFonte wound up not being a thing. Yeah. They moved him to running back very quickly. Yeah. But, but that was the first ever big, pro- big, like, you didn't even call it big production, production yeah. style. But for the time, it I mean, was big it was essentially style. like a it was a it was a war yeah. room, and they had guys run in and go, you know, with the next pick in the draft. The here's this guy, and they put the name on the board. And yeah. you know, text text was so shiny, and it looked so good. And I think I thought it was re- I thought it was cool. You know, I don't think you need to have necessarily all of the the big production, everything, but. It, I don't think they went over the top necessarily. I think they did a good job. And I, I thought it was really cool to see kind of like the one-on-one conversations with between the coaches and between the the players and their families and like Braylon Johnson's grandfather, Lauren Johnson's dad was in the background. Uh, you know, it was, it was Braylon and his parents and the grandpa and just the conversation between Brent Pry and JC Price and like the – you, you kind of got a chance to see us being there, the the relationships that kind of 
led to this. So I thought it was really cool. And I also think it's cool because it'll kind of, that's something tech can pitch to kids coming in 2024. Like you worked in the recruiting department, you know, you know what it's like, how tough it is to kind of get kids interested, so to speak. And if you say, Hey, look, like this is the stuff we're, we're doing. We kind of, we, you guys matter to us. We kind of treat you like you belong. You know, that's the kind of stuff that kind of wins you recruits in the end. So let me ask you a question. I was busy doing tech sideline stuff, updating the recruiting database and putting out videos and things like that. Is this something that was being streamed live? Is this, is, it is was this something not. people will be able to access? No. It, well, so what I'm sure tech will do is tech will put out videos like they'll pick and choose. They'll, yeah. Yes. I mean, tech will, yeah, tech will, I mean, Tech was recording the whole thing. Tech will chop up videos and... They'll do a big feature yeah, of it. And, and yeah, sp- and splice it all up. So you'll get a chance to see it. It was not live or anything. It wasn't recorded. It couldn't be because there were gaps. There were sometimes like a 30-minute... They, they had them all timed yeah, up. Between but, 9 and like 10, there was one commitment. And then once yeah. 10, 10, 30 hit, it was like every 10 that, minutes. That's when they let the media in there, the, the hour where there was only one I noticed that. When you guys went yeah. over there, things yeah. went dead for like 45 yep. minutes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's intentional. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, well, it looked like an incredible production. It was cool. Cheerleaders, dance team, balloon arches, and big light-up letters. It looked awesome. I'm glad that you guys got to be a part of it for a little bit. A jam-packed episode today, so I'm going to go ahead and get rolling into it. 3.50 as we record today, fresh off of you were there, I think, at the press conference. That included Coach Pry, Coach Mines, Coach Jones, and Director of Player Personnel Mike Villagrana. For those that didn't listen to it or haven't listened to it yet, what were some of you all's biggest takeaways from that? Did you? I don't even know if have you even yeah, had a chance yeah, to process yeah, it. Yeah, we yeah. watched it. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest to me was, uh, as I'm always interested in defensive backs, like what position is this guy going to play? Is he going to play corner or safety? And Derek Jones really stressed, like they evaluated so many of those guys as a cornerback, and they all have coverage skills, and and the, you know depending on how their bodies grow and everything, but a lot of those guys could potentially play every position. And when I when I was trying to evaluate them for my final star rankings, which will come out later. Uh, and and just for my signing day article, which I guess will be posted later, uh, I'm trying to figure out what position I think they're going to be. And for some of them, it's really hard to tell. Like Dante Lovett, I think, can play cornerback or safety. And and Braylon Johnson's, I, I think, can play field safety or he can play cornerback. And even Cameron Fleming, Christian Williams, I could see them at either, either safety or cornerback so I, I just think hearing him talk about his philosophy on what type of defensive backs he wants to sign at Virginia Tech that, that's probably the thing that stood out to me the most from the press conference yeah I mean he preaches they preach flexibility ability to play both um, on, on that note I thought it was really interesting his comments about Nickelback how one of the reasons why tech- not the band, the position. <laughs> we don't want, we don't like the band. Well, I'm here, I'm like here the for band. the jokes. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why tech maybe wasn't so good on the at times in the secondary this year is because Chamari Connor's not a natural guy to play the nickel no. and was stuck playing the nickel because they didn't have anybody else. And and how if you can get a if you can bring guys in that can play both safety and corner, you're bound to find somebody that can kind of play that in between role. Um, you know, this class, I'm sure we're going to get to it, Katie. This class is made up of majority wide receivers and defensive backs. Five five wide receivers, seven DBs. That's a, a, almost a, half the class. That's almost 12 of half, 25, right? Yeah. Um, and we got to talk to both Fontel Mines and Derek Jones, who both ha- happened Makes to, sense. funnily, to be the recruiting coordinators on each side of the ball. Um, 
I think the the presence in the Commonwealth, but specifically Richmond, which I know is something you're going to touch on in your col- column later, that's huge. And I thought it was very interesting. I mentioned how emotional the Braylon Johnson thing was. Um, I thought it was really interesting how Pry kind of referred to him as the glue that held the entire class together, mm-hmm. um, which... Uh, I have a lot of comments about about that. Well, so I so well, you love to see the recruits who are recruiting additional players after they yeah, come in, and, and yeah. he's one of those guys. And, for and sure. so I, I asked Fontel Mines about it, you know, because he's a the guys that's recruiting Richmond, and he, both he and Derek Jones were both kind of like, "Look, this is a kid who had a ton of offers, and a lot of the other DBs in that room were getting other offers late, and they all kind of." stuck together and and Braylon Johnson being a guy who obviously has history here his dad's Lauren Johnson and you know grew up knowing what Virginia Tech was and and his presence both in terms of the cornerback room but also Richmond and holding down you know kind of keeping guys connected keeping those relationships up between the recruits in the state I think that was big um I'm I'm very impressed um you could I mean such an emotional commitment signing, you know, just due to his dad and the family connection they have. And um, I thought it was really interesting. JC Price mentioned how he used to go watch Highland Spring games and he and Braylon would always be throwing the ball back and forth on the sideline while JC's trying to scout high school kids. And it's just like the, the ties are so deep there. And the fact that Derek Jones and Fontel Mines both said it best that, uh, Lauren Johnson didn't kind of make him choose a route. He didn't say, okay, you have to go to Virginia Tech or you have to go somewhere else. Just kind of let him choose his own path, and he ended up at Virginia Tech. Uh, I remember uh, after Pry got hired, and it was kind of early in his tenure, and they just started recruiting him. Jason Stame did an article with Braylon, and uh, Braylon said – Basically, you could tell he liked Virginia Tech, but he wasn't sure. But he wasn't that. going to come if that no, previous no, no. Reg- that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh. Uh, he said – he said he basically said, "I like him, and I really like him, and I want to commit." But then he said, "I don't want to commit." And then they go out and lose to Old Dominion in the first game of the season. Or so he said this in a Jason same article. It's in a Tech has oh, type. No. He's basically said, "I would be embarrassed if I committed to them." And then they went out and lost to Old Dominion. Yikes! This is on public record in a TSO article. Direct quote. And then that happened. So like (laughs) the the, the next day, I woke up after wrote my my column, and for some reason that thought popped into my head. I'm like, God, I hope he doesn't decommit this weekend. (laughs) But he didn't. And then he became one of the strongest leaders of the class, especially towards the end. I think it was Derek Jones that said that uh, once they start getting commitments from kids, he likes to hook them up in group texts, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. they all make them connect talk. to each other. I mean, I know, I know that happens. That's a thing that happens, but he, he likes to make sure that happens. And, and if we can shift gears talking about somebody else, uh, Jones was talking about uh, Mose Phillips. Yeah. Now Phillips was the surprise uh, signing of the day. Nobody, he wasn't committed until he committed and signed today. Now, we got tipped off that it might happen, so we put a video together and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're doing our videos, I don't know, probably yesterday at some <laughs> point. It was yesterday it was we did all Monday. our videos, 
And then when we were done, we were like, well, we should do one for Moe's Phillips, too, just in case. So Chris leaves the room and goes over to his desk in the other room to watch highlights. <laughs> and like a minute later, I hear, whoa, Chris is over there yelling, watching the highlights. And I said, dude, you OK? What's going on? And he said, what did you say? Oh, it was the biggest hit I've ever seen in high school. <laughs> so Moe's Phillips' highlight film starts out with him just committing murder on some poor Gosh, I don't know how that runner. high school kid survived that <laughs> yeah. and he didn't blindside the kid either he hit he came downhill and just hit and him it must have been up. a long yardage situation because Phillips was lined up a good 25 yards deep, from yeah. the ball deep safety and he got a running start the beginning of the play you don't even see him on the screen yeah it's it's really insane uh and he had a lot of big hits so he appears to be a big hitter uh so so John predict he might set Virginia Tech's record for targeting calls during this game. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, but, um, he has that but, potential. But he'll be entertaining. So uh, uh, Jones talked about Phillips and said that, that they, they really liked him and they really Thanks wanted him. Thanks to my him. question. But they but huh. was that you? Yeah. So, so they they slow played it. They were very quiet about it. I thought it. that was interesting. They would not like any of his tweets or anything like that. They they didn't didn't he say they held off on offering him? Uh, no, I, they didn't help. They didn't hold up on offering, but they were very, they were very cautious and were basically like, "We're not going to show that we are recruiting you. We yeah. don't want other schools to know that we are recruiting you." Because, because you know what happened. Because the minute that, that because the minute he gets the a tech, he gets open. a tech offer, everybody goes, "Oh, Virginia Tech just offered this kid. Oh, Who oh, is this kid?" Te tech, yeah. Well, Tech just offered a, a transfer portal running back the other day out of I think North Carolina A and T. Two minutes after he reported the Virginia Tech offer on Twitter, Georgia offered. Oh, and, and so um, <laughs> I don't think we're going to win that battle. But I, I don't know how many people have heard us uh, tell this story before. But there are services out there that when a kid gets an offer, they mm -hmm. email every other school. Yes, so Always there's no secrets anymore. Hardly in recruiting departments. No, right. Yeah. Right, so and so, that, so you can't go out and offer James Anderson at your camp, and nobody finds out about <laughs> and, it, and have, have uh, a future NFL. Who is Cam player. Chancellor? Right, these days you offer Cam Chancellor, everybody finds out about it. They're like, oh, Virginia Tech offered this guy. They're really good at evaluations. Maybe we should look at him too. Yeah, right. right, so it's just it's a lot harder these days to 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 do what Virginia Tech used to do in in some ways. So Jones said one of the things that helped was. He said there were other schools doing the same with Phillips. They, they, they were all keeping it quiet. He said when the transfer portal opened on like December 5th or whenever it opened, he said that helps because everybody then starts paying attention to the transfer portal. Mm. And you can, and you can keep in. recruiting the yeah. high school kid. Yeah. I mean, and, and Phillips is one of four kids from Tennessee. And that was, that was another thing I asked um, I asked Brent Pry and, and uh, Fontel Mines about. And... Um, and uh, Mike Villagrana, I believe it was, actually mentioned, and I think this is an interesting point, um, mentioned that Chris Marv is currently the guy in Nashville right now, mm. which makes sense. He's a Vanderbilt guy. Mm -hmm. But they might actually think about putting another person there during the season because he's a coordinator. How often is he going to be able to get to Nashville? Right. Um, but Tech is between the connections that Sean Quinn and you know, Brent Pry, Derek Jones, they were at Memphis, um, Chris Marvin was at Vanderbilt. The connections that Virginia Tech has to that that state, Tennessee, um, you know, Hokies picked up some really good talent. Um, Lance Williams was the first guy that uh, that they kind of said, "Okay, he started the thing." He's you know, Mister Tennessee football. Um, but I'm I'm very impressed, and I'm going to go look at the numbers later. But I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't usually get. Four guys from Tennessee. That that seems like broke a out the Tennessee to VT graphic on Twitter today. Well, 
Well, let's go ahead and get into discussing this class and a lot of the signees. According to 247 Sports, the Hokies 2023 class currently sits at 34th in the country, 6th in the ACC. In comparison to last year, the class was 36th in the country and 5th in the ACC. So it's around the same. I want to start with the most recent additions that came today, picking up the additional high school player, Moses Phillips, as you said, and two transfers, first being Darian Varner, a defensive end out of Temple, and Daquan Felton, the second transfer wide receiver pickup. He comes from Norfolk State, but both of these guys grew up in Virginia, played their high school ball in Virginia. What are your thoughts on how these two will add to the team next season? Varner, I talked to someone who was actually on, on the tech staff at the time uh, when he was out of high school, and at the time, he was bigger. He, was a, he got up to around 290 pounds and was being evaluated as a defensive tackle. In fact, he's listed on 247. His original profile is a, is, is a defensive tackle. People he, thought, he's 6'2", right, Chris? 6'1", uh, 6'2". Six six Tech, Tech listed him at like 6'4", 5". Uh, you're, you're thinking about the wide receiver. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, but uh, Varner, he was evaluated by Tech because he looked. most people thought he was going to grow into a defensive tackle. And he eventually did, but then he lost 30 pounds once he got to Temple and was first team, you know, all AAC this year. Uh, he's got like Daryl Tapp legs and a John Graves neck. That's how I would describe him uh, physically. Was a good pass rusher, not an elite pass rusher. Like, I think th- three and a half of his seven and a half sacks came in one game. So it's not like he was out there consistently every game getting a bunch of sacks, but he is a good player. Uh, with two, with a couple years left, uh, multiple years left, so he, he can get better from here. And uh, I would expect him to come in and, and be a heavy contender for a starting job right away. And also, the way Temple used him on long yardage passing downs, they would slide him into defensive tackle to create a better pass rushing front four. Uh, and I would anticipate Virginia Tech doing that too. Yeah, to, to add a little bit more background, he was from Maury High School. Yes, right? in, in Norfolk. Maury. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, he's transferring they, in from And, and, and they're, they're one of the best programs in, in that area. Uh, they, they played for the state title this year and lost yeah. to Highland Springs. Yeah. Um, and you asked about Felton. Yep. Um, and I, I, I don't remember if it was me or somebody else, but uh, I think it was me, um, asked uh, Fontel Mines about him. And he, he said he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he's a guy – who ironically, I believe, Fontel Mines said he didn't like he didn't really play football a ton. He played basketball, mm-hmm. went to a Norfolk State football camp, and got offered a scholarship. He didn't play football until his junior year of high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know he had over a thousand yards in two seasons at, at Norfolk State. He's a big guy, six three four. They list him at six five. Now, yeah, as a okay, high school, so that was the guy. As, as a high school recruit, he was listed at six three. And he was still listed at 6'3 at Norfolk State this past season, but now Virginia Tech lists him at 6'5". I don't know what he actually is, but he's an outside receiver for sure. He just so fell an outside and Jennings is slot. Both, uh, Jennings I will think be they're outside both going to well. be outside. And, yeah. and so I so think, that means that we get Tech can actually play Dewan Lofton in the slot this year, which is his natural position. Okay. Yeah. Coming and, together. And if folks listening haven't heard, uh, Caleb, Caleb Smith, Smith committed is Notre Dame. going to Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I, but I do think it's interesting because – Tech didn't have any other outside receiver outside of Caleb Smith this year. Not the one that was ready. Chris, well, yes. Chris and I, were, we talked about it once or twice. Like, is Christian Moss ever going to kind of grow into that role? And he never did. No, no. And, and so I think Felton provides some more depth in that area. Well, no, and what you have to th- – two, two points I want to make. I was looking up Norfolk State's quarterback stats yeah. today. They're horrible. Norfolk State has bad quarterback play. 53% completion rate. 
as many touchdowns as interceptions. They're not a good offense. So it's not fair to judge him by his numbers. It's just like how many passes did Caleb Smith catch this year, like 30 or 35? Something like that. That's basically what Felton caught. Probably could have caught 20 or 25 more if he played in a better offense, like Caleb Smith, like we're about to find about when Caleb Smith goes to Notre Dame, probably. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's a sneaky good get for, for, for Virginia Tech at, at a position of need. And uh, gosh, there was one more thing I was going to say, and I've already forgotten what it was. I'm sure it'll come to me. <laughs> so in addition to Mose Phillips, we added a lot of guys in the last couple weeks, last couple days, of course. On the last podcast, we talked about Aiden Green, Jeremiah Coney, and William Watson III. Now I want to get to a couple more, starting with Chance Fitzgerald, who ended up choosing the Hokies over Oklahoma State. Had a really productive senior season and an impressive pickup overall. He almost doubled his receiving yards from his junior year to his senior year. I think it was around 750 last year and almost 1,400 yards this year. Tech was the first big school to offer him in October, and within days added a bunch of other offers. And, like, even Oklahoma offered late, like last week, and I was terrified that he was going to take a last-second visit to Oklahoma over the weekend. And I'm like, if he doesn't go to Oklahoma, I think Tech's going to get him. We didn't go to Oklahoma, thank goodness. Uh, Big outside receiver. Kind of in the same mold as Jared Boykin, Damon Hazelton, uh, Caleb Smith. Uh, I, I think he's got a chance to – he'll have a chance to help early. Oh, my other point was going to be about Christian Moss. Sorry. Oh, yes. Uh, backtracking. Go yep, for it. Yep, backtracking. Well, we're, we're talking about wide receivers. So, 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 so yeah. he's, very, he's very similar to Felton in his development. Like, yeah. Ke, uh, Christian Moss didn't start playing football, I don't believe, till he was like a junior, junior in high school. Junior yeah. in high school. So uh, Fe, Felton went to uh, Norfolk State, redshirted. And, of course, naturally, always be redshirting. And then his 2020 season gets canceled by COVID, so you can call that like a half redshirt maybe. And so he didn't get on the field till his third year. Uh, and then this past year was was his fourth year. We still got two years left. So basically he's at the age of like a fifth, you know, he's an older player that even though he was only a redshirt sophomore this past year. Where, whereas, you know, Christian Moss – he was still literally just two years out of high school. So, I mean, if they follow the same developmental track, it's like Christian Moss had to play snaps his second year out of high school. Felton didn't have to play any because they, did, they didn't even play yeah. that season, right? So uh, so we've still got to be patient. What I like is it'll add competition to the room, and competition makes everybody better. Okay, now back to what we were, <laughs> what you guys were talking about. So following Fitzgerald, Antonio Common Jr. committed, was originally committed to Boston College for a while, but makes him our highest-rated Virginia recruit. Joins a really deep defensive back room, as you said, seven DBs in this 2023 class. But based on his recruitment, I think his rankings kind of jumped all over the place, but had a really he's, impressive offer list. In yeah, I, he's tough to evaluate because of the school he plays at. In-state schools will not play Life <laughs> Christian Academy, so they play a national schedule. They're playing teams from Florida, Georgia, New York. So most of his games are on the road. They don't even have their own home stadium. And I think their lim- their video equipment is very limited as well. Uh so you can't get a good evaluation of him. So, And I think the recruiting services figured that out because he started out about this time last year. He was about fifth in the state, and he ended up on 247 being like 18th or something like that, 19th, I believe, when I looked it up today. I, th- Virgi- I don't think Virginia Tech really showed they really wanted him until the end because I don't think they were going to take him over the guys they had more information on like your Braylon Johnson or your Christian Williams or your Dante Lovitz, guys like that. I think once they got to the end of the class, 
and and he was they, still, made, they he, made sure and, like, he, and he was kind of still available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, uh, okay. even though he was, co- you know, committed to yeah, Boston but they, College. They, or they zoned yeah, in on. Yeah, him. yeah. It's well, it's 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 just one of those things where I can't evaluate him because, dude, his film is like two minutes long, and and it's grainy. Like it's like watching like. 1970s rabbit ears Popeye? television. I mean, it's, 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 you can't get an evaluation out of it at all. So I, I can see why everybody went through the recruiting process saying, we don't know what to think about this guy. Like, I can't evaluate at his speed. I know he's big. I know he's got good size and everything like that. And yeah. it's another Richmond, another Richmond guy. Yeah, another the Richmond, Richmond guy, area guy. One of seven defensive backs. I mean, yeah, Chris kind of hit the nail on the head. Well, the last commit um, from the last couple of days was Ezekiel Wimbush, which I thought was going to be our 26th high school player. Now I think he's signing as a preferred walk-on after decommitting from Charlotte. Is that yeah, and it's kind of unclear. But no, yeah. Well, Andy talked to Brent Pry. Andy Bitter talked to Brent Pry, and Brent Pry basically said he's gray shirting. So, which I didn't. So he's not going to enroll this year. He's going to enroll. It means he'll enroll next January. Okay. He, he might go to Fork Union this year or something like that, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. That's what Tech used to do back in the day. They yeah, used to, you said, used to, I, like, I've never heard shirt. of gray shirt. They used to gray shirt 25% of their classes. So, And then those guys would get to Tech, and then they would red shirt. <laughs> so Tech would put a bunch of 60-year seniors on the field. And that's one of the reasons Tech outdeveloped people. But you, you, I don't think you can like gray shirt scholarship players anymore, not Probably like you not. could by NCAA rules. So yet that's yet another thing that Virginia Tech was out in front of before everybody else. And now you can't do it anymore. Well, looking at this class as a whole, and speaking of Lauren Johnson, as you did earlier in the podcast, Highland Springs High School was definitely represented, and that's always a good thing for Virginia Tech and recruiting the, fo- the footprint, as Brent Pry likes to say. We know they're well coached. So speak on the additions of, we figured out how to say this name, Takai Heath mm-hmm. the other day, and Braylon Johnson. It's interesting. They said they, they first started evaluating Heath as a nickel. <laughs> But I, I don't think he's quite big enough to play corner, and I, I just think he's his, what about five eleven. Uh, I don't know anywhere from five nine to five. Hang on, I'll look it up. I, they, I think they say five ten. Yeah. I don't really know, but uh, he's he's slight, but he's really quick in and out of his breaks as a slot receiver, and I think slot slot is the absolute best position for I him. I know you're very fond of Highland Springs I receivers. Am extremely it's funny because Ali Jennings also comes Allie from Jennings, Highland Springs. Yep, uh, exciting. Yeah, Heath is listed at five nine. Okay, Greg, Greg Dorch. Who played for Wake Forest and then went to the NFL was a little undersized too. Yeah, right? exactly. Slot receiver, undersized slot receiver. Amazing how that works. Um, yep. So uh, big fan. I think he's a natural football player. He had a big interception in the state title game a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. So he's a guy who could factor in on kickoff returns as well. Um, so I was excited. He does not rank highly because of his size, but uh, and he's ranks higher in my book. To expand on recruiting the footprint, 13 guys from Virginia, by the way, especially in the Richmond area. Fontel Mines definitely went to work. I hope he's with Virginia Tech for a long time. Because, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was great. Christian Williams, wide receiver from Collegiate, Jason Abbey, Edge from Freeman, Cameron Fleming, a corner from Trinity. All these guys super excited to have and definitely just expanding that 804 connection. I went back to 1998 in our recruiting database, and I couldn't find a year where Virginia Tech signed more Richmond area recruits than they did this year. Uh, they signed seven Richmond area recruits this year. Sometimes it's like define Richmond because yeah, Colonial Heights is not. It's technically as a Richmond not, native, I wouldn't consider it. But, but some people do. You know. It's kind of uh, you know whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's kind of there in Chesterfield. It's Chester, the outskirts are but, 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 like, but but Chester is where Thomas Dale is, and people consider Thomas Dale Richmond. I don't, right? but you don't No, uh, Most people do. Eh, actually. Yeah. Okay. So there's a gray area. We'll go with there. that. There's yes. a gray area there, but 
even if you go back to the text previous biggest class from Richmond, which I think was like 2012, I wow. included Augie, Augie Connie from Powhatan, which probably shouldn't count either. So uh, either, either either way, either way, yeah. this is the biggest tech class from Richmond since at least 1998 and probably a lot further than that. On the Which is interesting because you said we didn't sign anyone from the 757, this, so there's your contrast. This, this is the only the second time since at least 1985, which is as far back as our recruiting database goes, that Virginia Tech has not signed a high school player from the 757. Out of the high school kids, we know uh, the transfers. A couple of transfers, yeah. three of the tra- or two of the transfers are. But is the, only, the only other time that's happened was the 1993 recruiting class. So zero, So we set two records this year. Tied for our lowest ever of seven five seven kids and broke our our record for most Richmond kids. Two that kind of two records that kind of contradict each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just want to put this out there. I just looked it up while you guys were talking. The three lowest paid coaches on the Virginia Tech football staff all make two hundred seventy five thousand a year, and Fontel Mines is one of them. Yeah. So that's another headache for Whit Babcock. You, you, you hope you can you can keep him because he is a University of Virginia graduate. And and you try to put yourself in their shoes. Imagine if you were working at UVA and there were people around you that just you walk around campus, you walk down the hall. There, you hear snide comments about Virginia Tech all the time. How long would you really be able to stay in that atmosphere? Yeah, and you, you know, yeah. you know, he hears it at various points throughout his day and his week. You are correct. He'll, Not directly. He'll, he'll I don't think I don't I, I serious Fontel Mines is a big man. I doubt anybody goes up into his <laughs> in his face and was like, ha ha ha, UVA stinks. But you hear things, you know, if, if you spend enough he hears it. If he goes shopping in Kroger, he hears people say it every now and then, you know, things like that. He'll yeah. hear stuff if he goes to PK, stuff like that. <laughs> so you wonder how long a UVA grad will be able to stay in that environment yeah. before he goes nuts and it's like, you know what, I can't can't yeah. deal with this anymore. But I, I hope we keep him for a while because I think he's done a really good job recruiting. Putting yourself in the opposite in the opposite shoes, it makes me think if we had a former player who was doing incredible work for UVA recruiting, I mean, it would just eat my brain alive. So <laughs> oh, absolutely I'm, I'm would. curious if Tony Elliott's watching that at all. Well, and, you know, that they kept uh, uh, Hagens as yes, their wide receivers Higgins. coach yeah. who's been there for a long time, and he played there. Yes. They could have hired Mines as tight ends coach because, you know, Mines was That's tight ends coach at Old Dominion, ODU, yeah. but their offensive coordinator is their tight ends coach. Gotcha. Um, so it's not really a fit for him. Yeah, so you know. it didn't seem to be a fit at the time. Hagens is a 757 guy, right? No, he went to Hermitage. Oh, oh, Hagens. Hagens, sorry. I think Hagens is from 757. Right. So, the, so that's part of the reason to keep in, him if you're UVA is to recruit that area. No, it's not. But I, I'd that's be a horrible route. <laughs> <laughs> UVA and the 757 is not going to mix very well, <laughs> in my opinion. We, we won't yeah. go there for purposes of <laughs> anyway, this podcast. Yeah. Well, a position of need was definitely offensive line, and the headliner of this class, depending on what sites you look at, is Lathe Ganim, who has been committed to the Hokies since June. 6'5", 280, Joe Rudolph ready to get to work developing him, I'm sure. He's He's got a big frame. By the time he gets here, he'll be bigger than 280. I'm sure he's probably already bigger than 280 now. I think he's got very good feet. I think he's not going to have any trouble pulling. Um, there is some current concern, I guess, maybe if, if when you think about these offensive linemen committed to Tech last summer, so they were being evaluated and recruited for the, the offense that Virginia Tech mm-hmm. figured out halfway through the season that they can't run anymore. So the first thing that pops into your head 
and you're like, okay, so the commitments do we have? Do we fit? Do they fit the offense that we're going to move towards? Uh, I think I think Ganim de- definitely does. Um, I think he fits in whatever offense. I think he's a very talented player. I think he will come in and challenge for potentially a starting role right away. Really? Yes. Wow. So now that you say that, the two other offensive linemen that we saw in Gabriel Arena and Lance Williams, I guess we'll see how they develop. I'm a big Who is the third Hammer. Hans, 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 Hans Hammer. Hans Hammer. Yes. You're right. Yes. I, I, Hammer, Hammer, I think. But I know Gabriel Arena is the kid you're him. really high on. Same here. Comes from same. a good high school. I, yeah. uh, exactly. Um, they win a lot of games. Bishop and Devitt has put a lot of players in the NFL over the years. He's another guy who I, I don't view him quite, maybe quite as high as – is is Ganim, but but I really like his future. I think he's a good player, um, and I think he's he'll be fine for the scheme that Virginia Tech is running. So I think the offensive line class on the whole is is, is okay. And I was worried at first that I don't know if they'll they'll translate over from that scheme they were recruited for to this one. But I I'm, I feel pretty good about it after I after I watched them last week to you know prepare for all of this. Yeah, I'll say one more thing. Uh, Lath Ganim's uh, highlight film is a trip. He's just oh he's toying starts with out people. with. You can tell he's demoralized, some poor kid, and he's just kind of standing there holding him with one hand, and the kid didn't even try. I uh, he's he's probably going to be a four star for me when I when I do my final rankings. And I know some people are like, uh, what does he know? Well, I'm the only guy who rated uh, Ransford Delane and Daquan Wright four stars last year. Yeah, so, that's correct. Yeah. Well, moving on to Asen Stevens, a linebacker out of Indiana. So Brent Price, specialty as a former linebackers coach. He's really fond of him. And, Chris, I know you are also mm-hmm. really fond of him. He's one of your guys in this one class. One of my guys. Unquote. Yep. <laughs> um, recruited heavily by Matt Campbell, who I believe is one of the best evaluators and developers in the country. Uh, so that makes me feel good about it. And I just think he's a big, big linebacker. Like, uh, can, he's physical. Uh, runs pretty well. I think he'll be a will and play on the short side of the field. You know, he tore his ACL at one point in high school, but he seems to be recovered from that because he played this past year as a senior. But he was one of my top early targets. And I, th- I think didn't Virginia Tech sign him and Caleb Woodson on the same day or back-to-back days? It was very close. So Tech had a good week for linebacker recru- uh, recruiting there in that one short span last summer. So let's let's make a point about Asen Stevens. He is 6'4". We've got him listed at 6'4", 230. He could play defensive end as well. He might, he might transition into defensive end uh, and got some intel today that the staff thinks they stole one there. They really like him. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, everybody's going to say that on signing day, but there's always those individual players where you get the back channel info. Yeah, we think we're You feel like one. this guy's a steal <clears throat> that if other coaches had it to do over again. Yeah. They would have made better decisions on. And, and probably off the top of my head in this class, the two for me, or probably Steve. His offer list was good, but I don't think it was as good as it should have been. Right. And the the other one for me is probably Thomas Williams. We're going to talk about Thomas Williams in the second half. That's going to lead us into our break here on episode 277 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Talked a lot of these signees. Commits no longer in the first half, and there's still more to come, so stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back into episode 277 of the Tech Sideline podcast as we continue to dive into all things National Signing Day. Let's talk about Dante Lovett, a guy who comes from a great family (laughs) and a great high school, another corner in this class. Chris, you said he's the type of guy who you can see having a lot of success at the collegiate level. Yeah, he's my Mansoor Delane of this class. Uh, We love that. We do. Uh, Guess who was the first person to send in his LOI this morning at 7 a.m.? So so I was going to make a joke when I came in the office this morning, but Will was in a bad mood because Twitter was being dumb. I was going to (laughs) say... Twitter's always dumb. So I was going to say... 
what they should do is they should they should like rank guys based off of how early they send in their L- LOIs because <laughs> because that means who's they, the most committed because that means yeah. they are they are dedicated to waking up early and grinding. They sure are. Well, um, you said it sounds like they like timed it. So if they well, a lot of the other guys later, like I think if you like, I think I think they asked Dante Lovett if he was willing to be first, and he said yes. Said, Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was him and his mom, and uh, his mom had a long video. They Hot remind Twitter. me. They remind me of defensive version of Isaiah Ford and his mom. Mom's yes. great in both of these both of these cases. Yeah. Love it as a guy who can play corner or safety, like most DBs in this class. Damatha, uh, got Mike Jones, got, Ronnie Rice. Got, yep, got got a, got a <laughs> bunch of really uh, got got some good late offers and should have had good or good early offers too. I I don't for I do not understand why he's only a three star recruit. I have no. Conception in my mind of how anybody can watch him or Mansoor Delane and not give them four stars. But yeah. they didn't, so we got him. I'm good with it. <laughs> yep, his mom's video on Twitter was adorable. If you haven't seen it, you yep. should go watch it. Um, next one, Thomas Williams, an athlete from South Carolina, the only South Carolina native in this class. Versatile at many positions. Brent Pry's been looking at him for quite some time. Yeah, well, it's funny because I actually asked Derek Jones about him because Derek Jones is a South Carolina guy. And... Derek Jones said, I because like how did he kind of end up on your radar? You know, and Derek Jones is like, Well, I grew up in that area. So there are coaches that there are people coaching now that I played against. And so they're texting me, Oh my God, this kid's really, really good. And it sounds like he's he he could be a gem from what it sounds like. Um, which is kind of funny because that's we've talked about how many of these DBs now that are like could, could be really really good? Like this is shaping up to, on paper to they be might potentially not all stay at DB. Who yeah, knows? but but yeah. I think there's so much talent in that area, and I think Williams is is a guy where Derek Jones walked into his house and basically said, "Look, I grew up 10, 15 minutes down the road. I I know." this area, I know your family, I can relate to you, you know, I know your high school coaches or the people that have coached you and your upbringing and I can relate and I think this would be a good fit for you. And I think I think he's going to be a really talented guy um, to go along with a really good DB room. And Brent Pry started recruiting him when he was at Penn State. So his like two power five offers were Virginia Tech and Penn State. Uh, I don't know that he still had his Penn State offer after Pry left, but uh, so he's been on Pry's radar for a while. He's been on Derek Jones's radar for a while. I will point out that the recruiting sites list him at either five ten or five eleven. Uh, Derek Jones is in the five eight to uh, five nine range. Oh, I know I forgot. I, I know you did. Are you going to ask him how tall uh, he is? I, well, gonna, no, no, I, I, I want to make Thomas this point. Williams. Yeah, there, there's, I, I there's, I'm telling the story. Okay, here, darn it. let's go. <laughs> All listening. right, so he's Derek Jones is five eight or five nine. Thomas Williams is listed at five ten or five eleven. There's three pictures of them together from from a week or so ago on Twitter. They're standing right next to each other. Thomas Williams towers over Derek Jones. It's like it makes Tom Thomas Williams looks like he's six one or six two. Um, like I don't know, I don't know if that when he took that measurement, if he was in like ninth or tenth grade, and they just haven't updated it on two four seven or rivals or whatever in the last yeah, couple yeah. months. <laughs> I mean, that dude is not five ten or five eleven. That dude is above six feet, and I, I that's one of the reasons I list him as a steal. Like I think he plays really well, and that was before. I realized how how big he was, uh, or how much bigger he was than, than I thought, and and it might be a gr- late growth spurt too. It might be a, a Steph Curry thing. 
<laughs> yeah, you know? uh, that's a whole separate podcast. That's yeah, a whole separate <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's. I always liked him, but I like him a lot more now, now that, that I saw that, that you know picture of how big he is. Now that you know he's not five eleven. So yeah. well, so I mean, I was I didn't care that he was five eleven. Now that I, you, now that I, but I now that I know he's he, like six one. Yeah, it's like heck yeah. So you mentioned that he had an offer from Penn State. Uh, we also list him as an offer from West Virginia. Do we? So okay. three Power okay. Five teams. So two more guys I want to touch on individually before we kind of talk about this class as a whole. Marcel Baylor and Hans Hammer, two guys familiar with Virginia Tech as being from the New River Valley. Hammer, he's got a great name. He does. And for Baylor out of Radford, there's a good path for development there, I think, for him. Yeah, uh, he's not going to have to play right away. Um, he's very raw because he played a lot of quarterback in high school. Uh, Through the middle of his junior year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need yeah. Nick Brown to be on here. Uh, I know. No. He's, he's <laughs> the Marcel Baylor expert. Um, Enthusiast. But he's an outside receiver, but could also play safety or, or even like an outside linebacker position because he's a he's a big frame guy who has been able to put on weight. Hans Hammer, the perfect name for an offensive lineman, is originally from Germany. Cologne. Uh, Cologne, Germany. Very inexperienced football player. Was a quarterback until he got here, and they're like, "Man, you're way too big to be quarterback. You're an offensive tackle." <laughs> and now here he is. Uh, but I, I think the natural tools are there. In regards to guys who we might see get some early playing time, a lot of times it's dependent on the guys that enroll early in January and get started in the weight room and get into spring practice. I want to read off the list of guys who we know are enrolling early, which is only like four or five. David, I think you said it's going to be 11 total is what they mentioned at the uh, press conference. 11 high school kids, and then, of course, the four the transfer transfers. portal guys. Yes. So right now, William Watson the third, Jeremiah Coney, Moe's Phillips, Dylan Whitkey, and Antonio Cotman, we for sure know are going to yes. enroll early. But beyond that, who would you say is going to, you know, has the best chance to contribute early in 2023? So, some of it is like how good a guy is. Some of it is also, do you need somebody at that, the at that position? Weren't, weren't we talking about somebody that is that is like physically developed? I can't remember who it is. There's one guy in the class in Ganim? particular. Uh, I can't remember. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, I, I think Ganim can play right away and help. Yeah. Um, I think a couple of those wide Maybe receivers. Maybe Arena? Ch uh, Arena could possibly. Uh, I think Chance Fitzgerald would have a chance to play early and maybe Aiden Green as well. Um, a lot of those DBs already have the size. Like Dante Lovett could could play right away. Cameron Fleming, uh, I think Braylon Johnson. Although I view him in the same light as those other guys, he's still a little skinny at this point. I prefer to see him red shirt, of course. Um, this is a good conversation. Like once, once I really like get into it, I could really study this and write an article on it, and we can do a podcast. I ordered it for today's podcast. Unfortunately, it did not get here in time. Mm -hmm. It's not getting delivered till Friday, but I found on Super 70 Sports this beautiful red shirt that says red shirt. <laughs> and I ordered it, and I was going to no. wear it for today, but it's still uh, UPS still has it. So um, I'm pretty sure what you ordered is a Star Trek security. Star Trek, yeah, but it's, it's, it has some other line on there. Well, well, the from Star is, Trek, well, the running, but, but the, I bought it because it's red and it says red shirt, and it's great. But, but right. the, so the running joke in Star Trek is the the guy in the red shirt is always the one who gets killed when they beam down to a planet. Okay, <laughs> well, this will some, be my last podcast. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> You're not wearing it yet. <laughs> they take some random security guy with them. They're always wearing red and they always get killed. Okay, so okay, that's kind of the joke behind. Some I got of the shirt. okay. I got. We you. don't want you to die if you wear it on the <laughs> podcast. Okay, it's good to know. Um, but yeah, so I think we should do that. We could do a whole thing on this class specifically, like who has the best chance yeah. to contribute everything, and I can wear my red shirt. Yeah. Now, be now great. You, you mentioned William Watson, and I don't see that as a guy who, who could play early. He no, could, no, no. He needs to put on weight. Well, um, I mean, 
there are multiple. I mean, they're they're experienced quarterbacks, older experienced quarterbacks ahead of him. That's true. That's also true. I mean, I mean, I'm right. So if he beats out Grant Wells and Kyron Drones, <laughs> go ahead. And play either it. there's something wrong with with Virginia Tech's evaluation of portal quarterbacks, or, he turned into or he's Michael really, Vick. really, really good. I, I just wanted to cut in and say that because yeah. she listed the players, and then we started talking about who can play early, and yeah. I wanted to just point out to I don't think that, either quarterback will play early. Yeah, yeah I want to go ahead and get into the quarterbacks, actually. That's something to watch going into next year's quarterback room, obviously an ongoing quarterback competition every year pretty much. But we now have six scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, signing two out of high school today and one transfer. That's a lot when you think of guys trying to get reps, you know, in yeah. and out of practice. You, you can, can barely you, rep four quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five and six is too many. Uh, you will see attrition after the spring, certainly before August, because yeah. they're they're nobody wants to be the sixth string quarterback, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, Not nobody wants like to be NTA the fifth quarterback. You, you, you can take being the fourth string quarterback if you're redshirting. But, but or if you're a walk on or something, yeah, like something that. like yeah. that. But yeah, no, nobody wants to be your number six. And, and you know, it's like it's not like running back or wide receiver where multiple guys are playing. If you're playing more than one quarterback, that means you're just grasping at straws, generally. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I don't. I, we're going to see attrition there. And like you said, you just can't rep that many no. guys. Question: Do you think, in 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 my view? Attrition will kind of be a result of how drones pushes wells, like to what extent? Because because part of me thinks if drones can win the job, wells is gone. If drones outright wins the job in the spring, uh, wells has already taken his one free transfer year, but he'll graduate from tech. The spring, so he would be a eligible, grad and you're grad immediately transfer. eligible right. as right. a grad, a grad transfer. Correct. So that is a possibility. Uh, I don't. I would think he would be such a good backup behind yeah, I mean, drones. Well, I feel like that'd be a good so, one-two right, punch. Listen, but... listen, all right. Drones has to win the starting quarterback job. The last time Kyron Drones was a starting quarterback for a season, it was like he completed forty-nine percent of his passes. Oh, yeah. as a senior in high school, yeah. so. I think he has arm talent. I think he's got speed. I think his head's in the right place. I also think he's got to be in the right system with the coaches, know how to handle him, and he's got a lot of improving to do. And David, didn't they ask about drones today? And they yeah. said we liked how he can how he can move. Yeah, they there was a lot of praise about drones. Um, I think I tweeted some quote from somebody, but they they like drones so the reason why i didn't say win the job i said push for the job right. is because there's going to be quarterback competition that's yeah. the reason why they brought him in Absolutely. well the question is where's the attrition coming from and i i don't i think i think once we get to march and you and i are going to practices in 35 degree weather at 7 a at 9 a.m or oh, whatever it is hard you brother <laughs> you know? 35 degrees Stay sounds home. a lot better than this weekend yeah, when it's gonna it be one degree um, in Blacksburg. but the, once once spring football rolls around and you get the early enrollees and you get those three a chance to learn the system you know i'm you've got guys like taj bullock and uh Devin Farrell that have now had a year or in uh, Bullock's case, a couple years to learn the system. How highly do they value themselves? Do they think they want to leave? How hard does Wells get pushed? Mm -hmm. Does Wells want to leave? I think there's a lot that goes into, into play. And I wouldn't expect, like Will said, with Keir Wash Wat 
Whitkey or Watson to play um, just because they're so raw. But uh, but who knows how it's going to shake out. But that's it's that's more than you need. So much better than it was at this point last year. Agreed. Because the Tech signed Grant Wells and Jason Brown, who I think were both very, very good fits for the offense that Virginia Tech planned to run, but the offense that they figured out in October that they couldn't run. Yeah. And... Drones is a better fit for the offense that they that they're going to transition to that they're going to pivot to. Wells can run it too, but like you can't just make that pivot in the middle of the season with, without any practice at it. So that's going to be an interesting uh, interesting competition this spring. Uh, either way, Virginia Tech's better. Like all right, so think about it like this: either either Grant Wells gets pushed harder than he did last year, and he's better. And so you've got a very experienced quarterback who's a starter, so we're better. Or he, or someone beats out the incumbent starter, so we're better. Yeah. So Virginia Tech's better there quarterback should, this will, year, there will no matter be what happens. Yeah. yeah. In theory, should be. Yeah. So according to you, David, the position breakdown of the group we signed includes two quarterbacks, two running backs, five, five wide receivers, zero tight ends, four offensive linemen, zero defensive tackles, two defensive linemen, three linebackers, and seven DBs. Based on positions of positions of need, how do you think those numbers align with how it was taken care of? Did you maybe want to sign more of one position, less of one position, or does it shake out pretty well? Um, I, I think um, – sorry, I didn't specify. Two defensive linemen total. And they're um, both ends. And they're both ends, so yes. Um, and it could be – you know, Ace and Stevens could also play. Yeah, so it could turn and, into three. But the other thing yeah. is they also got Varner, the, the Temple yeah, transfer. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I think they loaded up on wide receivers, though I mm-hmm. still think they'd probably like to take another portal wide receiver they could. It depends know? on who it is, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, hit, they're at 15 scholarship wide receivers right now. <laughs> they had 10 this past season. Um, they added a lot. There's going to be attrition, again, what guys in the in the middle of the pack? Um, you know what what guys are going to get moved around? I think I think actually it'll probably be fourteen because Colbeck won't be on scholarship. Right. Um, but that's but a good point, but yeah. still, that's a whole lot of wide receivers. Um, I think a tight end they're fine. Um, you know you've got two redshirt two redshirt freshmen, one sophomore, and Nick Gallo tight end tight end room. You're fine. Offensive linemen, I think they want to add more, uh, at least one guy, if not. They want to add a starting caliber player. They want to. They want to add line. a couple guys yeah. to the offensive line if they can. I think defensive line. Phil Darius Payne's coming back. Yes, that's official. Today. Mario um, Kendricks as well. Mario Kendricks coming back. They're still waiting on Narell Pollard, but he, I mean that'd be that'd be a big boost. Um, I think defensive line they're set for the most part. The linebacker room is young. Alan Tisdale's probably the only only guy there that were, might be above twenty one in, in that in that <laughs> yeah. there were four red shirt freshman <laughs> linebackers on the team this past year. Maybe Dean Ferguson. Um yeah. Uh and then the D B room is young with Dorian Strong. So I think I think overall it's kind of you I, I think Ollie Jennings adds a lot. I think uh Felton from Norfolk State adds a lot in the wide receiver room. I think the big question is Offensive lineman, can you get offensive lineman out of the transfer portal now? Yeah, I think that you know they have to try to add one of those. Uh, apparently, Rudolph followed a couple on Twitter yesterday, but we've been so wrapped up in this that I hadn't been able to check. Mm. Uh, I will say that, like as far as this recruiting class, this high school class, uh, every class you look at, you can go back through every signing day and and say 
yeah, that year I thought this was probably the one hole in the class. Like, you can't look at any class and yeah, say, uh, yeah, they got everything they, they need. They got every one of their needs. They didn't get a defensive tackle in this yeah, class. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned yeah. about that. That, of, that is the one hole. Defensive tackles lack of a defensive tackle in this class. Uh, you know, the three guy, three defensive tackles redshirted th- this past year. I'm not convinced that Gunnar Givens is a defensive tackle long term. And then they wanted to sign Elijah Hughes this year, but he he always had his heart set on going living west. in California. Yeah. And it was either going to be Stanford or USC, and it turned out to be USC. So, yeah, if I could change one thing, it would be defensive, defensive tackle. tackle. And who knows? I mean, there's another signing day in February, so you never know what could happen. But I, I feel that way almost every year. I feel like almost every year I'm looking at the roster of signees and I'm looking for the defensive tackle. You well, know. you saw three of them last year. Yeah, um, there's <laughs> never enough. There's never no, enough defense Never enough attack. for you. <laughs> That's right. Well, off-season recruiting was crucial after the season that we had this year, hoping to see a lot more transfer additions in the future. If you had to give this recruiting class a grade, what would it be from it was, all three of you? It was B. It's a good class. There's one hole at defensive tackle. Um, I think from a perception standpoint, uh, if you Moving could assign forward, a couple— have more people in the top 10 of the state of Virginia. That will make people happy. That will make more people happy. Yeah. No, I will say, I will say that there are a couple guys in the top 10 in the state of Virginia this year that I would not take. You know, I would not take in this class. Um, and there's a couple guys in this class who I should be for, who I believe should be four star recruits like last year, like Daquan Wright and Mansoor Delane. Uh, but I think it's a good class. I was concerned a couple weeks ago. Because I thought the class was far from complete. I, I was concerned because I didn't think they had a quarterback in this class who was a fit for the scheme they're trying to pivot to. Because I thought Whitkey was recruited for the scheme they figured out they couldn't run anymore. And then I, I was worried about wide receiver. Like and I got I, Fitzgerald I, and Green. I, exactly. I, th- I think Keith is a really good prospect who who can contribute early. Not, maybe not this year, but you know the next year probably. I, th- I think Baylor and Penix are very raw. I think the ceiling is there, but they're very raw. So this is going to take them a while to get before they're ready to play. And this needs to be a good wide receiver class with at least one or two. There's no such thing as sure thing in recruiting, but you need a couple of guys that are pretty darn close to being sure things at wide receiver in this class. I don't think Tech really had that until the end. So when they added... Pop Watson, who I think is a much better fit for the offense they want to run. And then when they added Fitzgerald and Green, all within the last week or two, I felt a lot better about this class. Like like two weeks ago, I might have given this class a C, and people wouldn't have liked it. I, I, my, I My opinion of this class has jumped up a lot since then. I, I thought the class was somewhat underwhelming until about a couple of weeks ago. And then you look at – I know it's just, it's just rankings, but <laughs> – you know, four of the top six ranked players in this class came in the last couple of weeks. I felt like, and, and there's another thing we haven't talked about, I'll get to here in a second. I, I felt like they, they ramped up towards the end. I thought they closed well. And so the first comment I want to make is that no decommits. Yes. Yeah, no you know? flips. Not on, um, not on signing day. Lost not, Moose not, and Kelly to yeah, Clemson Yeah, we lost, we lost Kelly ago. a yeah. while yeah. back. But no decommits on signing day. That's kind of a big deal. And the other thing is somebody asked us, did, did Virginia Tech not making a bowl game yes, and I was help them close that. out in recruiting? And they actually talked about that today, right? Yeah, I was going to mention And the coach was kind of like, that. well, yeah. It was, well, <laughs> so it was it was Villagrana, the director That's of right. player yeah. personnel. So it wasn't a coach, which is 
probably the right person to ask considering the coach is probably more invested in, yes, I want to go to the bowl game. Um, I think not making a bowl game is huge, especially like where signing day fell this year, like on as late December, as it can December twenty first. Last year is December fifteenth. Last so. year it was before bowl games started. This oh. year it's after like five, four or five days of bowl games. It's ridiculous, and it's it's tough. So I think, like you mentioned, with the transfer portal, once the portal and the bowl games and everything started going, everybody's everybody's mind goes to that stuff. What's more important, the bowl game or your roster for next year? Uh, and 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 for a Virginia Tech team that we don't even need to say the record. I mean, like they 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 closed the class well, and last year Tech had two decommits, like the day of or the day before. Um, but they no, also flipped two from UVA. Yeah, Brody Meadows and Keyshawn. That's Burgos. right. No decommits this yeah, year, huge. and I think I think that's big. And the way they closed, like I am more encouraged. In in the last two weeks, like you said, four of the last six guys came from four of the top six guys came in the last two weeks. I'm more encouraged now than I was a month ago. Mm-hmm. Standing there, you know, around that, you know, that Liberty Week. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at it, going, "All right, this could potentially be the last game of the year." Then Tech's not going to a bowl game. Then we get into recruiting. What's Virginia Tech going to look like? Is Virginia Tech going to make this class any better? Because right. right now, it's like a C. And I would agree. I would give it a B. I think you could even convince me that it's a B plus potentially. Sure. depend Because some of these guys have really, really high ceilings. And I think there are some potential gems in the class. Yep. And, and one of the coaches today said something about, you know, he basically said when you're only winning three games – you got to find other things to sell. Yeah, and and I think they did a pretty good job. I think of that. they clearly did a good job of that. Um, especially, I mean, Chance Fitzgerald, he adds these late offers from like Oklahoma, like which historically is out there putting up five and six hundred yards of offense a game. Yeah. He's still coming to Virginia Tech. That's a good sales job. And, and getting, I know Allie Jennings had a really tight relationship with Fontel Mines. Right. Fontel Mines said today, somebody asked him if he felt like he had he had the inside track on him. Or did he know he was going into the portal before he did? And mine said, no, but I knew if he did go into the portal, I'd be the first guy he'd call. Yeah. You know, so so there was a strong relationship there. But still, convincing Allie Jennings to come here after the season that offense just had, Correct. that's a good sales it, job. It is a good sales job, I think, even with that relationship. Uh, as far as the whole bowl game goes, I mean, it's yeah, it's it helps. I was at the gym yesterday, and the bowl game – the uh, the potato bowl was on, oh, uh, so 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 San Jose State was playing Eastern Michigan, and it's the day before signing day, and the transfer portal has been open since December fifth. You're trying to close out your recruiting class, and it's all hectic as is all get out these days. How are those guys actually supposed to effectively prepare for their bowl game? I would what? actually not want my coaches to spend much time on the ball game. I mean, right, right. So We're going to go run our basic stuff. Everybody have fun. Let's say Virginia Tech was six and six, and and in I don't <laughs> the know the Fenway Bowl, the Fenway Bowl, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but we but we still had we still had every need after a six and six season that we had right now. What's more important to go beat whoever in that ball game or to go get Kyron Drones and Ollie Jennings for next season? Yeah, the answer is clear. Right, you know. 
And, and we talk about this all the time, bowl, bowl games back in the day. So here's the way the calendar used to shake out. First of all, there were no conference championship games 30 years ago. I think the SEC started theirs 30 years ago. There were no conference championship games. There were only 11 games. So you played your 11 games. Then you got your bowl invitation. It mattered because there were only about 19 or 20 yeah. of them. You gear up for the bowl. You play the bowl, and then you come back, and the visits start in the month of January. Everybody, the whole January's official visits. was all about recruiting. Yeah. And then you closed out for the February signing day. Yeah. And now they've mucked the calendar all up. The bowl games have become less important because, number one, there's more of them. Number two, there's about to be 12 teams in the playoff. Number three, you've got, opting a, out. you've got a conference championship game you're shooting for that's more important than some bowl. So it's interesting the way the dynamic of everything has changed. Oh, uh, I would I, if I, if Jim Phillips can do one thing for me. If all right, let's make if you're gonna have bowl games, you hate this conversation. I know you. Uh, <laughs> I love bowl games. I, I know you love bowl games. All right, get rid of the Fenway Bowl. Get rid of the Pinstripe Bowl. Get rid of whatever bowl game the ACC is affiliated with that's like above the Mason-Dixon so line the where nobody wants bowl? to go in December or January. Right. Where my sister has to go, the military bowl, since she works for Duke. Oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> give me the Bahamas Hope bowl. Hope it doesn't rain. G- give me the Bahamas bowl, redheaded stepchild, the Myrtle Beach bowl. If I'm going anywhere in December when it's freezing, it's going to be the Boca south. Raton. It's not going to be the north. Boca Raton Bowl, yeah. um, Did Toledo win that last night? I don't know. I don't know. I oh yeah, I'm not paid to get. Yeah, they, they, they beat they Liberty did. by two. I haven't paid attention yeah, to a bowl game. That was a shame. Yeah, that, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at any rate, like they, they need to come up with something with these bowls because like there's no point in playing them unless people are going to take them seriously, and that includes the coaches too. You think t- if Tyler Bowen? Could have flown down to Texas to recruit Kyron Drones if he had a bowl game to prepare for. And, no. and, so and, it's and, a, and they said, by the way, they said today when Drones entered the portal, Bowen flew down immediately. Immediately, immediately. was the first one wow. to see. Right, right, exactly. So, like, if Virginia Tech is on a bowl game this year, they might not get Kyron Drones. I'm just. I'm just, I'm, I've been beating that drum for a year or two now. Yeah. Bowl games just, they just don't matter. Okay, I will agree with so, you for this sorry. year. But <laughs> sorry, in the Katie. future, I love bowl games. <laughs> Thank you for reeling us. <laughs> Before we wrap it up, David, you have the list I of did. early enrollees. I, I got the list. Let's I have read it list. Off. the list. So I went and I just circled no, them. No, speak slowly so everybody I can absorb them. them by, yeah, I'm going to go. I was in an alphabetical sort of order. I'm going to go by position. We'll start with quarterback. Both quarterback signees. Uh, William Pop Watson and Dylan Whitkey are enrolling early. Redshirt, redshirt. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Coney at running back. Coney would be big enough to help, but I think we've got enough running back, so probably mm. redshirt. Two wide receivers, Marcel Baylor. Redshirt. Redshirt. And Aiden Green. Ooh, ooh. Hey, right now, I'll lean play. I'll lean play. Because if he's enrolling early, he'll he'll have off-season strength and conditioning. He needs to get a little bit bigger, but he'll have that opportunity if he's enrolling early. All right, three of the four offensive linemen. Oh, sweet. The one offensive lineman that's not enrolling early is Gabriel Arena. Okay. Okay. So, so, so Ganem's so enrolling early? He's yeah. Played. So Lance Ganem, Hans Hammer, and Lance Williams. Okay, the other two red shirt, Ganem plays. Ganem plays. All right. Uh Ishmael Finlayer. Red shirt. Red shirt, totally. Uh, defensive end is a rolling yes. He's from Ontario, Canada. Um, and then two DBs. No, So no linebackers mm-hmm. are enrolling early. Um, and then two of the seven defensive backs, Antonio Common Jr. Probably red shirt. And Mose Phillips. Probably red shirt. That's your list. 
Just make sure he doesn't kill anybody next spring. While he's (laughs) redshirting. On the scout team. If you're on the scout team safety, don't take any of our starters' heads off. Please. I I can imagine him like... Like, like, can you imagine the safety blitz with that? Ah, sorry, Ali Jennings is out this week because Moe Phillips <laughs> gave him a concussion, oh, took his head off in yep. practice. Yeah, so, <laughs> be so that's a list. NIL opportunity there for Moe Phillips. Yeah. We'll have to put that in the mental hopper. Hmm. So, do you we, like? We are, we are sponsored by Triumph now, so it's up to Triumph. So, so to do you? Do you, question for you, sorry, Katie. Do you like that? Do you? Do you wish more guys enrolled early? Like, how do you? I do. How do you view it? I, I think it's great if they do. Um, just, just. It doesn't start their eligibility clock early, but it's it's an extra semester. It's an extra semester in the weight room to adjust to college. Uh, gives them more of a chance to play as a true freshman if, if that's your thing. Uh, so I think it's good. You just have to be able to balance the scholarship count. Like you yeah. can't get go over the limit. Like your whole class can enroll early because yeah. you'll go over the <laughs> <Yeah>. limit. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Let's going to just about wrap it up. Obviously, didn't touch on all 25 signees for sake of time. We would be here all night. But (laughs) it is the holidays, so coming up on Tech Sideline, I assume that there's going to be David is showing us Armani Chapman Chapman committed. He's going to UNC. UNC. (laughs) Armani Chapman going to UNC. (laughs) I mean, they cleared out their whole DB room, so yeah, yeah, that was. It's a good spot for him. UNC takes a UVA transfer and Noah Taylor last year, and now a Virginia Tech transfer and Armani Chapman back to back years. So. Uh, interesting for them but actually we don't play UNC next year so we, we'll never true. play against the Hokies right. I guess Excellent. Yep. that's good no for problem. him once we play him in the ACC championship game. good luck then Armani <laughs> yeah <laughs> well coming up on Tech Sideline the rest of the week uh, basketball recap article tonight I assume and then yeah. signing well, day yes, recap so David and I have I'm both gonna be, written I'm going to be very very busy David and I have both yeah. written articles about signing day but at this point our basketball game starts like in an hour, in an hour, hour. so, like, so like, I, yeah I've not finished my I've not finished my signing day story um, I'm going to f- basically try to write that I'm going to go to PK's and try to write that in the next hour and a half and then yeah. basketball and then I'll have a basketball recap Chris Hirons yeah. will be covering our women's stuff so I'm not Sweet. touching I'll just be editing a story my, my, my article is pretty long so, no, it's not, oh, I can it's edit. Not, it dur- I can edit during it. It's the game. Long for most people. I, I, it's not like can, normal. I can do it tonight after I get home. We can post it tomorrow. Okay. No, well, I can. Yeah. I will edit it. Bef- I will edit it tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. blame ACC. All right. If, if I'm ever like emperor. The first law I would pass is no, no, bas- no basketball games <laughs> on, at on the same day as no, signing No day. basketball games at Boston College. Or at Boston day. College. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the only thing that can make this day worse is losing to Boston College because Mike Young has never beaten Boston College. Correct. correct? He's never beaten Boston College. Never That's, beaten Boston College. 0-3. Um, and three of the four games have come in Chestnut Hill because of the COVID year. Um, well, tech, tech, tech didn't we never had the post depth we had this year, though. That's true. Yes, tech, I, tech I, wins, do, I tackle one tonight. I, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to jinx it, but but I, I I like this matchup better than matchups in the past. Like Boston College doesn't have as much post depth, and Tech has more. They don't have James Carnick, but they'll have some random dude who's going to yeah. score. 30 well, Quinn Post, their seven footer hasn't played all year. Hey, so. Since, since been, we're at it, let's let's throw the stat out. I sure. looked this up the other day. Uh, Jordan Jordan Chapman was that his first name? Yeah, Jordan. I think that was it. He scored thirty points against Tech one time. Jordan Chapman played. 130 college games, and that was his career high the night that he scored 30 <laughs> points against Virginia Tech. He tied it later, but that's not the point. That was his career high. James Carnick played 129 
college basketball games. And the 26 points he scored against Virginia Tech last year, career high. That's the stuff that drives me crazy. If something like that happens tonight, my head is going to explode. And it's, it's not like either one of those guys were like, oh, they averaged 18 a game and then they scored a career high 27. Karnick averaged like six or seven a game. If and that. Blew up for 27. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, you know. Should be. We, we do need to wrap this up and get to yeah. PK yeah. so we yeah. can yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris will have a story. I'll have a story. And then. Thursday or Friday, I will have another story going more in depth, talking about scholarship numbers, the guys enrolling early, kind of how, with quotes from Brent Pry and the other coaches on how it's all going to shape up. We're going to learn a lot about this basketball team recently. I mean, the game tonight, and then they travel down to Wake Forest to just beat Duke by 11 points last night and looked like a dominant win. So we'll see how we shape up. Hey, and and, and Wake got crushed by Rutgers over the weekend. Yeah, basketball is weird. Wake lost to Clemson by 20. I, I, I still think. You know, even though UVA lost last night, I mean, I don't know. Sure. Tech, Tech, and Miami. Duke lost too. They, uh, well, yeah, I know, I know. That's D- right. Duke, so, Duke, Miami, U- or Duke and UVA, two, well, of, two of the three top three a lot, teams. A lot of basketball left to play, but yeah. I mean, I think Virginia Tech will be one of the top. Four Virginia teams Tech in the ACC. is looking like it can can compete at the top of the ACC this year. Well, that was another great episode of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in and thank everybody on set today. Will Stewart, he's at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman, he's at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. David Cunningham, he's at The Real D. Cunna on Twitter. Carter Hill Producing, thank you, Carter. And I'm Katie Adams signing off on episode 277 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Enjoy the basketball games tonight, Hokies fans. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you next time.